Hi, I'm Lesha Holzaffel, and you're listening to the Fit Mom Squad podcast, a podcast for moms who are ready to lose the weight they want without gaining it back by learning the holistic approach to nutrition and how our brains determine our long-term success. Welcome to the Fit Mom Squad. Today on the show, we have Janine Escobar from JanineEscobar.com. Welcome to the Fit Mom Squad. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. Really happy that you're on the show. I've been following you on Instagram for a long time. I feel like we're Instagram friends, but we never actually got to talk. And uh, I'm really excited about the show because I want to dive into all things macros, how to do macros the right way and how to do cheat day the right way. Let's start off by just sharing your story with the audience for those that don't know who you are kind of can you share your journey and how you got started being a health coach sure well i mean i think that the perception a lot of times when um, people come across my instagram is that i am this like fitness person that i've always been super fit and thin and had it together you know and the the truth is i have not um i i struggled with my weight when I was a child, my mom just like fed me because she wanted to have a chubby baby. Um, and so I built a lot of bad habits around that. Um, I love food. I've always had like a passion for food and eating. And so I struggled with my weight throughout my teenage years. And then I got pregnant. And man, that was, that is what set me over the edge weight wise. So even though I would say I struggled with my weight, I wasn't necessarily overweight but I um, had to be mindful of it. I wasn't like the teenager that could eat whatever I wanted. I wanted to, and I did sometimes, but then I had to scale back. But then when I got pregnant with my son, I was 20, gained 100 pounds with that pregnancy. And that is what took my, um, you know, where it became really difficult for me, because I, I definitely wasn't comfortable. I was, I was, young and emotional and filled riddled with stretch marks and I went through a lot during that time frame um and I just thought there was a short period of time that I thought well this is just my life now I'm just going to be a mom and I I, I toyed with or I tried to convince myself that I was okay with that and this was just my path and I tried to live that way for about a year and then I realized like this is, this is not, I can't do this. And this is pre-internet, I think. I think AOL just started back then. So it's not like there was a lot of resources at our fingertips on how to lose weight. I didn't, I had never been inside of a gym. I never exercised. I didn't do any of those things. Um, so, but I just knew that I was not happy in my own skin. And I wasn't being, I wasn't a happy person and there I just felt like I wasn't being a good wife and a good mother at the same time. So I made it my mission to try to lose the weight any way that I knew how at the time, which we didn't have a lot of resources, but I still figured it out. You know, I counted calories. I remember I counted, I ate 1200 calories a day and I started to just like, um, try to make things that I liked but make them less calories. But the weight started to come off. And like I said, I didn't do everything exactly the right way. I didn't eat like healthy foods or anything. I just ate whatever I wanted. I tried to just make it less calories with whatever was available at the time. I think there was like butter sprays and 
different things, you know, to make things less calories back then, but the, but the weight came off nonetheless. Um, and I got, I lost the weight in like, I think it took me like six months or something like that. Um, but then I proceeded, I didn't learn anything throughout that process. And I proceeded to struggle with weight all through my twenties and thirties in terms of, I did everything I could to stay skinny and I would yo-yo diet. So I would stay skinny. I would put on some weight, then starve myself. I knew that in order to lose weight, I just needed to eat very, very little. So I would starve myself till I started to lose. I was obsessed with the scale. Um, I just wanted to be as skinny as possible. And like when people would say, you're so skinny, you look sick, or you know, they would, they would call me a brat's doll because I, I have a chubby face, even when I'm very, very thin. And uh, I loved that, which was sad to me now looking back. Like I, I love when people told me I looked awful because I looked sick and skinny. I, I loved it. So I, I spent my twenties and thirties going through that cycle, um, you know, yo-yo dieting off and on. And then I was, I had like an epiphany. It was after a trip. Cause I would always starve myself before trips, literally starve myself. And, and by then this was, I was getting a little older. Now in my thirties, I started doing cardio. So I did implement some exercise, but excessive cardio. And, um, but I loved the way I felt when I went on the trip and like, I felt on point, you know, I felt good during the trip, but I also, but I always followed the trip with going right back to where I was binge eating, gaining a bunch of weight rapidly back. Um, and then one day I just had this epiphany, like, I want to feel like when I'm on vacation all the time. Like, I want to feel like that all the time. I don't want to only feel like that on vacation. It almost started to give me anxiety coming home from a trip because I knew I, was gonna, I wasn't going to be able to hold on to it. That's how it felt like to me. It felt like it was like a runaway train. Like, I knew that once I got home, I was going to be back on that train and had no control over it. And um, at that point, I decided I needed assistance. So this is now years ago or eight or nine years ago, um, I decided to hire a personal trainer and that is what he tried. He taught me so much in our sessions at the gym, working out, he, the entire hour that we would work together three times a week, he was downloading information into me. It was like the, the best school I could have ever gone to and about nutrition and macros. And he would just always tell me, and that's where I learned a lot about that, but it was under his his guidance and he's um, cyber body shop actually still does training. He does online training. He trains for um, fitness, fitness competitors. And it was working with him where it changed everything for me. Like I learned that food is fuel and the proper, you know, macronutrients and what it can do to your body. It was no longer about just being skinny. It was about being fit and I started to see my body change and I actually, believe it or not, did a fitness competition, a bikini competition. I was, gosh, how old was I? 30, 39, I think I was 39 years old. And to walk on stage in a bikini, the girl that literally gained a hundred pounds with her pregnancy covered in stretch marks, it was just a huge like moment for me. Like never in a million years, the girl, that tried to, I tried to convince myself that I was going to be a mom now. I was just going to have the mom body um, that I walked across the stage in a bikini was just like very, very transitional moment for me. 
And I realized that I truly had found my love and passion. And I wanted to help other women who I knew what they were going through because I had been there and I had been on this roller coaster for 15 years. Well, my whole life really, but 15 years since my pregnancy at this point, um, I wanted to help other women come to the other side with me. Like that there was a light at the end of the, at the, end of the tunnel. You could have it all. You could have, you could look your best and feel your best um and still be a mom and a wife and everything else yeah i think that's the misconception a lot of women have after they have babies they look at their bodies especially you know the ones that gain a lot of weight like i gained a lot of weight i gained 50 my first pregnancy and 60 my second and just remember looking at myself and saying like i am never going to go back to normal like this is just my body now and accepting that is just unacceptable because it's not true and it said yes our body changes and yes it might not look exactly the same but when you look at your story your transformation is just incredible and looking at you like you would never even be able to tell that you had babies so it's like if you can transform your body and do that i think it just takes discipline and commitment and do the whatever it takes attitude and you can get there. And I think that as women, we need to stop making the excuses that just because something happened in our life circumstances, that means that we can't have X or Y or Z. So I think that that's truly an amazing story. My question is how did you get started with keto and how did you kind of get into the keto space? And when did you really start being like a keto coach and health coach? Okay, so when I was doing, when I was working with the trainer, so this is back before keto was even a known thing. Like I remember having to try to get strips and didn't even know what the word was to test my ketones. But when I was working with my, with my coach, so this is in 2013, um, when I had that big transition, he had me on a low carb slash keto diet. I was actually now that I look back, I was carb cycling. I was on keto most of the time. I didn't know because he didn't necessarily call it that. Um, and, but, so I but I was doing some form of the ketogenic diet back then. So then, um, you know, I, I maintained my fitness past, that, past my nutrition fitness competitions. And I started to go out on my own away from my coach and kind of train myself. So um, when I... I maintained my fitness, but at this time, my husband kind of let things get out of control. And he's always been a super fit person. He came home one day with some diet from his school. You know, like I need to try to get on this. He had gotten up to 250 pounds at this point. And um, he's like, and he gave it to me to look at it. I'm like, oh, this is like, this is low carb. I didn't even know really it was called keto at this time. Um, so I'm like, this is a low carb diet. It's kind of like what I've been doing. Um, and so I, I looked into it. I'm like, let me look into it. So I looked into it and then I started researching. I never, cause I was doing it for myself. I didn't research what I was doing, what I was on. I just was trying to take care of myself. But at this time he wanted my help. He's like, can you help me do this diet at the fight school that I'm at? They say it works really well for the fighters when they're trying to cut weight. And can you help me do this? So it was during that research. So this is now in 2015, I think. Um, it was doing that research that I'm like, oh, this is the ketogenic diet. 
and this is kind of what I've been on. Like I didn't really put the connection until I did the research and then I started doing a lot of reading. And so I put him on a ketogenic diet based on my research. And so he was kind of like my first client really. And my, he was like my guinea pig, but he um, went from 250 pounds to 275 pounds. Um, so that is kind of what started. So when I started sharing, well, let me back up a little bit. When I started sharing my journey with my coach, my fitness journey, my competition journey, I started getting into Instagram at that time. So I started acquiring a following based on my fitness posts. And it was women who wanted to also do competitions and things like that. So I started corresponding with a lot of women, not officially coaching, but I would help people kind of indirectly. But my, my husband was my first like official client that I really, he did everything that I told him to do and all of that. So as we started to share his transformation, as it was happening, you know, people were coming out of the woodworks and that's when I started calling it the ketogenic diet. And it was literally like not mainstream at all. Like nobody yeah. really knew what it was, but they started to think like, oh my God, what is this keto thing? People, now that I look back, I mean, they're under the impression that it just, it means that you're burning your, you know, you're, you're eating fat, you're burning body fat. Like the, the, it was a little bit of a misconception back then, but, um, people were losing weight on it. So they wanted information. And so I started kind of helping people that way, family, friends, then friends of friends, and then people were having amazing results and it kind of just grew from there. Yeah. That's actually how I got started too, around 2015. <laughs> that's so funny. What is your approach to keto? Because there's a lot of different approaches to keto. And it's like, yeah, you know, you have to find your own way and your own journey. But I feel like because it's become so mainstream, it's just kind of become um, sort of a fad, even though it's not a fad. And there's people that are either like, they're either like, oh, if it fits your macros, that's all it that matters. Some people are like, no macros, just eat this. Some people, you know, they do dirty keto. Some people do clean keto, some people do carnivore, all of that. What is your approach to counting macros and kind of what is your approach to the ketogenic diet in general? I mean, my approach is a clean keto and, and, and generally and mostly whole foods. I mean, yes, we all love the processed foods and I don't, I don't necessarily believe in like eliminating anything. I, I don't like deprivation type diets because I always feel like as humans, we want what we can't have. So I think it's important to feel like you can kind of have anything, but the bulk of your diet needs to be whole foods. And you also need to control your volume. One of the biggest things for me um, that I struggle with seeing and like struggle with like zipping my lip, not always giving my opinion on is I can't stand that what keto became. I like in 2015, it was still good. I don't like where it went. I don't like the notion that you can eat plates, sticks of butter and plates of bacon. I don't like the notion that you can go to In-N-Out Burger and get five Flying Dutchmen, which is like 10 slices of processed cheese and not the best quality meat. And I just, I don't like the message that that creates. Mm -hmm. I also was, um, I felt like being part of the keto community, I, I was good at first, 
But then when the, the message started to change, I noticed that myself that I, I kind of backed out of it a little bit because I didn't like, I didn't want to be a part of that message because I, I, the messaging started to become, you can eat as much as you want, as long as you're not eating carbs. Right. And that's simply not true. Mm -hmm. it, I mean, if you can overconsume even the healthiest of foods, if you overconsume them, you are going to put on weight. And I didn't like the, just, I didn't like the, the message that was being put out there that calories don't matter um, because they do matter, but it's not the only thing that matters. And I think that sometimes it was like, if you're saying that calories matter, that like that was a bad thing too. I've never said that calories are the only thing that matter, but they're part of the equation and they matter. And people, what I found is people would get, have success initially because they would be initially very, um, you know, achieve that satiety with the fats. And, and so they would eat a lot of fatty foods, not carbohydrates. So they were inherently eating less initially. Um, and so the weight was coming off. Plus they lost the water weight from not having carbs. And so that people initially had some success, but as their bodies adjusted and they suddenly, a lot of those people that were having success stopped having success. They the what used to work. I saw this so much on Instagram. What used to work for me, it's not working anymore. I don't understand. And those people all kind of transitioned into having to track some sort of macros in order to get back to weight loss. Because what was happening is they were getting a, a used to the satiety that the fats brought them initially because it was new. And they started eating more and eating more and eating more. And so maybe even if they were eliminating carbohydrates, they were still not able to get the weight off. And the thing with fats that can be a slippery slope is there's so many calories in fats. So you're, you're getting visibly smaller portions. And some people, let's be honest, most people don't eat to feel full. They eat because they, they love the food they're eating. So they want to, they, can, they eat way past the feeling of being full. And so that's why I just felt like a lot of people stopped seeing success um, because they were over consuming fat. There's this message out there that you could just eat as much fat as you want and that's not gonna you know, make you fat. And like, yeah, fat isn't essentially what makes you fat, but you can over consume calories. Like they matter, but they don't. I think that the problem is that people want to find one thing. It's this, it's that. When reality, it's a combination of things and it and it differs depending on who you are and what who who you are genetically and who you're what conditions you're predisposed to and what issues you have with food. You know, like like you know, macros, right? Macros don't necessarily matter for somebody who is not a volume eater. They just don't eat a lot. So they especially if they go to something like a ketogenic diet because you're eating more fats, they're very filling, right? So that person that they're not a big eater, they're going to put themselves naturally into a caloric deficit with the ketogenic diet because they're just not a big eater. I am a big eater. I always have been a big eater. <laughs> no matter what I eat, I have to control the volume or I will overconsume. I'm the same way. I love food. I'm a big eater as well. So how do you maintain that balance between 
counting macros and kind of measuring everything out without it over consuming your life. So for one year, it depends on where you're at. So if you're actively working on a transformation and you're working to get to that point that you want to maintain, um, then you have to be a little more on point. You have to be a little more strategic with your tracking and uh, more diligent. But as you do that, and as you work on your transformation, you become experienced in tracking macros. You don't, tracking macros doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be on an app and putting everything in all the time. At, at some point in time, you're going to become so good at it that you can eyeball things. You'll know like, you'll know your protein portions. You'll be pretty spot on, believe it or not. Even so much that for me, I'll me if I measure something, I'm usually, I can put, I can pull out a, a, a tablespoon of almond butter and it's like exactly 16 grams, like just in one shot because I'm so used to it. So it just comes with experience. Now it is important early on as you're working towards your transformation, you do need to be more, like I said, diligent and specific with your tracking, but once you get to the point where you, um, you're maintaining, you can be a little looser with it. Um, but you know, it's still, it, it's always gotta be there. It's not like what I always tell my clients is there is no end game. It's not that you, this is a lifestyle. It's a long-term lifestyle. I've done this, this specific lifestyle for eight years. It's totally sustainable. Um, it's, it's just, there's no end game. It's not like when I lose, when I get to this weight, then it's over. Um, there's it's no finish like, line. No, there I, isn't. That's what I, like, yeah, that's what I say. There's no finish line when it comes to weight loss, because when you lose the weight, you still have to maintain it. And that's, and that's another issue that I think pe like people that are in the keto space, because it's so popular. I think that's another reason why so many people want to try it because they hear all these success stories. They see all the transformations on, on Instagram. They want to try it, but then their question already is, okay, how do I lose weight with keto and then go back to my normal way of eating and not gain my weight back? I'm like, you can't, there's no such thing. What is your normal weight? Is that standard American diet? Because you're going to gain all your weight back. So it is, like you said, a lifestyle, a journey, right? And, and that is like what counting macros is. It's like, how do you make it to the point that it's not like you're tracking and measuring every little thing in the app all day? Like you said, with time and experience, you kind of know what a portion is. But how do, how do you help your clients kind of figure out what their numbers are? And do they need to change them? How do they kind of deal with situations like, you know, going out to eat and traveling and stuff like that? Well, okay. It depend, really depends on the person. And that's one thing when, in working with clients, it's like my approach is different depending on the client. Um, but when I do their intake, I have to get a lot of history from them. Like what's their history with weight loss? What type of like, I try to get an idea of how they're eating right now. And I try to figure out the volume of food they're currently eating. Are they currently in a path where they're gaining or losing? Because I have to get a starting point. And sometimes a starting point with in terms of macros is a shot in the dark. And you kind of just throw something at the wall and see if it works. And then if, you know, after a couple weeks or some time, you know, we start to see how their body's responding. And then that's when adjustments are made. But, you know, the first attempt at it 
um, I mean, it kind of is, a, it's a little bit of a shot in the dark, right? It has to do with what they're, you know, how much weight they have to lose, what their current, what they're willing to do in terms of exercise. Have they been exercising? Are they going to incorporate it? There's so many factors that it's so hard to just even say exactly what my approach is because it's truly different for every single person. Right. How do you do your macros? Do you still measure everything out? Do you, do you adjust them? Have you adjusted them? Or are you kind of like at the, at a baseline that you kind of follow now normally to maintain your weight? Oh yeah. So I'm at a baseline. I mean, I've been for a long time. So usually though, I, once a year, I kind of have to put myself on a little cut is what I call it because usually it's usually before summer. I want to get like, you know, swimwear ready. Um, I don't mind being a, holding on to a little few more pounds in the winter. It's just the way that I've been. So I always, I do like once a year, I will start tracking my macros again, be, and be diligent and, and like do a cut. Um, but for the most part, I, um, I just eyeball things, you know, I already kind of, I know what my volume should be. And then, um, you know, one day a week, I kind of just do whatever I, I take a day off from it because just like with working right so like if you're in the corporate world you don't work seven days a week you take a couple days off and that's what gets you to recharge and ready to go back to work and do a great job at your job on monday right because you recharge a little bit on the weekends it's the same thing with macros and just this healthy lifestyle in general and this is where my approach can be unique um, because most, a lot of people don't necessarily agree with it, but they do it anyway, but they don't agree with it. Yeah. The cheat days. Yeah. They don't agree uh, with it, but they do them. And then they're like, right. well, you shouldn't plan, you know, it's bad to plan them, but when they just happen, cause they happen, it's it was right. a mistake. Well, that's like, but that's the thing. It's like, you'll get both opinions, right? You'll get opinions. Some people believe in cheat days and some people don't. In my opinion, everybody has them. So if you have them and you know it's inevitable, why not work it into your program and make it work? Why not change your mentality so that you don't feel like you're doing something wrong or that you're failing because it's part of your program. And it also takes the, you know, as humans, we want what we can't have. Suddenly, if you allow something, it becomes a little less desirable yeah. and you're a little less likely to go crazy. Because I know I can have a donut every Saturday if I wanted to. So if my coworker comes in with a dozen donuts on a Wednesday, I'm like, meh, I can have those every Saturday. It's something special. Now, if I hadn't had a donut in six months and I love donuts and somebody comes in with a box of donuts and I let myself like my willpower drops, maybe I haven't eaten I'm like, I'm having a weak moment. I have a donut. The chances are that I'm going to overconsume the donuts and go crazy and fall off the wagon completely for even a few days. That one thing can trigger a big episode for a lot of people. And I find that in, I've trained thousands of clients at this point. I've, I've worked with thousands of clients and I, I have some clients. It's not that everyone's on the same exact approach. Not everybody does a weekly cheat day or a cheat meal. It just depends. If you're having it as a choice, you're planning it, you're being strategic about it. You're in control. But I also think that you have to have a good relationship with food in order to have cheat days and not like 
fall off the wagon for weeks and months. So what do you do with your clients? How do you maintain that where, you know, they are able to get back on track? How do you get back on track the next day with your cheat days that you have every week? So I think it's important that your life, that your everyday lifestyle is enjoyable, that you found a groove that it's not miserable. Um, that's part of it being not difficult to go back on track. And a lot of times, like, like I said, it's just the same analogy on, you know, once you, if you take a break from something, um, you, not only am I able to go back on track, I'm, if I hit the ground running after cheat day, like I feel, I feel I'm ready to get back on my macros. I love the way I feel. It also reminds you how good you feel when you eat whole nutritious foods and you're like man like usually i crave my my macro food or my healthy food after a cheat day because the cheat day was enough it's sufficient um and i think part of that is in to really find your groove though and be enjoying your lifestyle now if you are on like a diet which i don't even like to really call it that um and you're like you know shoveling down food that's not enjoyable then we need to take a, a look at that and make, make it to where your lifestyle is enjoyable, that you're enjoying the foods that you're eating, that you um, are feeling good and you're getting results because all of those things make it very easy to go from a cheat meal or a cheat day back to your lifestyle because you love your lifestyle. And, and I also like to say that it makes it a little easier to resist the temptation throughout the week and things because you know that thing that you're craving is never more than six days away. Mm -hmm. So it becomes easier to resist temptation. And I think that, I think that a lot of times I will be hundred percent honest, the client that says not having the cheat meal, not going to do it. I'm going to go solid. Guess what they do. They reward themselves every day right. for not having the cheat meal with the extra handful of almonds yeah. and the extra, you know, scoop of heavy whipping cream or whatever it is. They're inadvertently rewarding themselves for yeah, yeah. skipping the donut when the 200 calorie donut would have been consumed. It would have been over. You feel satisfied. You got that out of your way. You're right back to your macros and you're not thinking that you need to reward yourself for skipping a cheat meal. I agree. I think it's very important to kind of know where your head's at and to get to that space where you have a healthy relationship with food. Exactly. And again, that you're not so restricted during the week that you still love the food that you eat, that you're not feeling like you're depriving yourself just waiting for this cheat day. And I know some people like hate the word cheat, but I'm like, okay, the, whatever. It's a word. Like I call, it. I call it a cheat day. I've always been it. I've always yeah. had it. Always well. It's a word, like not a big deal. Like let's just, you know, what eating off plan, whatever. It doesn't matter what the word is. I think what matters is that you're in control, right? And that you're- hundred percent. That's exactly what I always say. And that's like what I tell my clients. I'm okay with you saying, like if, like I said, if, if someone comes into your office and they have a, you know, your favorite cheesecake, um, I'm not okay with you being, oh, okay, well, I'm just gonna make this cheesecake my cheat this week. That's that's not okay because you just lost control. You didn't, that was an, that was an impulse. Spontaneous that you yeah. And that's, that's not what a cheat day is. A cheat day is to teach you like, not now, but later it's part of your program and you are always in control because the minute that food starts controlling you, those impulses will become, you know, 
more frequent and then you completely lose control of them. But now I do have some clients that, like you said, their relationship with food is not there yet. You know, they'll try it. And then, you know, we talk about it like once a week, like, okay, what was your experience? What were your feelings? Um, and if they're struggling, then sometimes usually the first step is we take out sweet, sweet cheats. We take out the sugar because sugar is usually the culprit for that type of thing and for kind of getting out of control. So we're like, okay, let's, let's take out that and, you know, we'll revisit, we'll work on it. We'll scale things back, you know, and we try different things or we take the cheat, you know, cheat meal out for a couple of weeks and then try to incorporate it back as things start to improve. Um, and then literally they just start, a lot of times my clients, honestly, they, they crave um, cleaner things anyway. They'll crave, cause you know, like I like my clients to eat primarily whole foods. I don't say a hundred percent whole foods because I just don't think it's realistic ideal. Yes. You know, I would love to just eat all whole foods, but the reality is processed foods are yummy. That's why we want them. So, um, a lot of times their cheat is a clean, a cleaner processed food mm -hmm. and something like that, you know, so they, they're, the cheats kind of scale back and that happens naturally. Maybe like the first week they go, you know, balls to the wall and have pizza or whatever. Um, but then that, that starts to scale back. And especially once they don't feel deprived, mm -hmm. because if they had a potluck at work and suddenly they saw something they craved, they're like, Oh yeah, that's what I'm going to have on Saturday. Suddenly they don't feel so miserable at work because, oh, everyone's eating this and I can't. And those feelings of deprivation will lead to worse relationship with food, honestly. If you just allow yourself to have things, sometimes you won't feel so deprived and it will become less desirable. It really does. I agree. Isn't that crazy how that works? It's so true. And I agree. I think that some people, they just want to have the cheat meal and the cheat days because they can't have that food. And then they have, and they're like reminded of like how much they feel like total butthole and how much is not even worth it. You know, and sometimes they're like, you know, maybe I don't need to go all crazy. Maybe I can do like a healthier cheat meal. What is your process for cheat days? Cause I know you don't just like wake up and like start pounding Twinkies. I know you have a very strategic process to kind of maybe minimize the effects or make it more of an efficient cheat day. So can you share that with us? Yeah. So I, per it's two, twofold. So I'm in a different position because I'm just maintaining my current physique, right? So you could have been, mine are cheat days. I, I kind of just, um, for me, it's a day off because when I'm on, it's like, I, I always say, you gotta, you gotta pay to play. I pay for six days. I, I, I'm, you know, I'm good with my workouts. I eat clean. It's not just about food. It's just about taking a day off from all of that you know, letting the steam out of the pipes a little bit. And I kind of just have whatever I crave, but I don't eat it in excess. So I don't eat too much. I don't binge eat. Um, and I try to have some sort of nutritional value. I like to, it to con contain protein, um, you know, but I do have, I do love donuts and everybody knows this about me. Um, usually I would say every other week we'll get donuts. Um, but I just have a couple and, um, I kind of am eyeball my overall volume and I try to maybe, um, it's a surplus day for me for sure. But the rest of the days I kind of eat at a deficit. Like I said before, this is not me tracking because I'm at that point where I just don't need to. It's been many years for me. 
For clients, the process is a little more strategic. So for clients who are actively working on their transformation, the, um, they are instructed they can have a cheat meal and it should have some nutritional value. I have them avoid things like pizza and pasta and things like that. I like think maybe like sushi or a burger, a good quality burger with fries, you know, but yes, they can have the bun and all of that, but a good quality, you know, something that's going to give them, you know, still some nutritional value. I also, my program is a little unique. So it's like on a, they, it's kind of like a point system. It's kind of hard to explain, but they can choose um, whether they're going to go over on their calories or are they going to try to track their calories and stay within their calories. But, you know, you usually let the macros kind of go off. They don't necessarily fully track it, but they also need to make sure that they're doing other things to kind of make up for it. So they're, they're still drinking their water that day. They, they got good sleep. Like there's other things that are important to having a successful day. They're just eating off plan. So maybe their macros don't fully align. They're not hitting their protein goal. Um, maybe they're, they're, they're consuming dairy because for the most part, I'd like to have them kind of like minimal on the dairy. Um, I just find that most people are more successful when they limit their dairy. Yeah. Um, so the Saturday is like the day that they, or it doesn't have to be Saturday, but the day that they plan is the day that they can have a little bit of dairy, but nothing is going like off the chain. It's still kind of controlled. Um, sometimes some clients, depending on who they are and what their circumstances is and what their goals are, I have specifically want them to eat a surplus. Um, so I'll tell them like, this is your macro of one day a week. I want you to bump it up by five or 600 calories. Now, in my experience, um, it keeps the metabolism kind of like guessing and keeps things from slowing down, especially if they're actively like on a deficit. And a lot of times it'll, um, the clients will come off of a caloric surplus and, and it'll break a stall or they'll drop weight. And I've always experienced that as well. So I've always done a one day a week where I met a surplus because I want to prevent my metabolism from slowing down to the point where I kind of, you know, the last thing I do to clients, by the way, is I don't say, oh, things aren't working for you. Oh, we're going to drop your calories. We're going to drop your calories. That's the last thing I do is drop. The, the, the goal is to eat as much as you possibly can and lose weight. That's the goal. That's always the goal. Hmm. Yeah, I agree because a lot of people, they, that's kind of the problem I think with too much fasting as well. I think oh, yes. they over fast and yes, there's a lot of benefits to fasting, but you have to be careful because you can slow down your metabolism if you do it for too long and you do it the wrong way. And then they wonder why they can't lose weight people actually like gain weight and they're like what i'm not even eating anything it's like yeah because you have to understand the science of your metabolism so do you think that macro counting is for everybody how does someone that doesn't know anything about it how do they kind of start on macro counting the right way um i don't necessarily think that everybody needs to track macros like specifically I do think it's important for everyone to kind of have some understanding of just what their volume should be. Now, whether that's actually tracking and calculating everything just depends on the person. Like I said, I've worked with clients that they're not volume eaters. Um, and so they don't necessarily, overeating is not a problem. It's more of the types of foods, 
Because, you know, some people, it just depends on the person. I do think it's it's a good skill to learn. And every once you have that skill, um, it kind of just gives you, like, the control. Like, you know for a fact, like, what, you know, volume you you can't eat or what you shouldn't be eating. So it's an important skill I think everyone should learn and at least know what a macronutrient is because a lot of people just don't even know what that is. But what I do like to say at the very least is to build your day around protein. The biggest common denominator with everyone that comes to me needing help with weight loss or whatever is the underconsumption of protein. I mean like way under. And protein is essential. Protein is essential. That's why a lot of people will blame the ketogenic diet for hair loss and all this other crazy stuff. It's not the keto diet that's necessarily causing that. It's the notion that you don't need protein. You just need to eat all the fats and they're not getting their recommended minimum daily amount of protein. So I find that if you eat good quality protein too, you're inherently going to get the fats with it. Awesome. So to wrap up, there's just a few questions that I want to ask you. First of all, what would be your one message that you would want to tell moms who are listening, who want to lose weight, who want to become fit? What's the one thing that you would tell them to do? Well, I would say for one, remember that self-care and taking care of yourself is not selfish. And a happy mom is a better mom, 100%. Um, and start taking time for yourself. So figure out a way to, to work in that time. And that time is the time you dedicate towards, you know, start walking or implement a, a you know, a new a fitness plan or something, but it's really important to set aside some time that is dedicated to yourself every day. So start, you know, start by even just walking, even just walking. You, if you've never done anything else, you've never stepped into a gym or whatever, just by moving more. And what is one of your favorite books that you've read either recently or in general? I liked Atomic Habits. Mm, yeah, that's a good one. I love that book. Mm -hmm. Where can everybody find you? Where are um, your website, your links, all that? Let's tell us about your, you know, you have like a bikini boot camp. I always see all the crazy transformations on, on Instagram. So let us know about all that. Yeah. So, um, my website is janineescobar.com and I am, uh, I do have a bikini boot camp program. It's an eight week program and it basically is a boot camp. Like we just talked about, it's basically teaching my clients as much as I can about macros and what they should be eating and giving them like a specific protocol that they should follow um, in an eight week program. It's really a body transformation program and they learn a lot. Um, I do those every two months and I have another one coming up in September. Registration opens August 3rd. You can find more information on that bootcamp on my website. Um, I'm also on Instagram at Mrs. CEO underscore J. And I have a podcast, two episodes a week, Candidly with Coffee. I co-host that with my husband and it's basically um, you know, candid, straightforward advice on nutrition and fitness and, and just life stuff. And that's really fun because my husband and I have been able to do that together. So that's on Apple podcasts, Spotify, Podomatic, basically anywhere that you, um, listen to your podcasts. Awesome. So we'll put all those links in the show notes and I want to thank you so much for coming on and, and interviewing. I think our listeners are going to get a lot of information about macros and cheat days and all the things. So thank you.
Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to the Fit Mom Squad podcast. If you liked today's episode, make sure to leave me a review on iTunes and share this podcast with your friends on social media. Don't forget to tag me at BSB Tribe. If you want even more resources, make sure to go to www.bsbtribe.com and head on over to a private community on Facebook, Fit Mom Squad, so that you can get connected with other moms who are crushing their health goals. I can't wait to see you on the inside. Until next time, keep focused on your goals, mama.